All right, welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, I have a friend of mine, Aaron Ventura, on to discuss how he's thinking through uh, college ministry. Collegiate Reform Fellowship is a ministry of both Christchurch and Trinity Reformed here in town. And Aaron walks us through how he's thinking about what that looks like and what strategies make healthy disciples and which don't. And one book that kept coming to mind as he talked from our shelves was A Critique of Modern Youth Ministry by Chris Schlecht. This is a pamphlet uh, length book. It's not super big, but it was really helpful to me as I thought through what youth ministry is and what it's for. How did the youth ministry that we all know of today, where did that come from and what philosophies went into creating that environment? And is it helpful? While they are not the same topic as what I talked with Aaron about, I think they're related and I think you would really benefit from it. So you can get that at canonpress.com. And without further ado, meet Aaron Ventura. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. We'll just open it up. Uh, do we get to talk about your pizza making at all? Yeah, we can. That's, that's we what I want. I, I just want to, I've heard rumors on the streets. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what the progress is. Yeah, we'll definitely do it. Uh, all right. Welcome to Canon Calls. Today's guest, Aaron Ventura, who, actually, tell me your job. Like, I don't know, I actually don't know the exact job description. Yeah, so uh, they actually kind of asked me, Christchurch asked me if they wanted to, like, update my my job title. So uh, I think I'm currently listed as a pastoral assistant, uh, which is kind of what I do. But I, I would identify myself mainly as a preacher and somewhat of an evangelist to college students. So I'm on staff at Christ Church, but I specifically work mainly with uh, our college ministry, uh, which is Collegiate Reformed Fellowship, CRF, which is uh, trying to reach uh, particularly the University of Idaho here in Moscow. So I spend my day thinking about my college years and how I would reach me back when I was in college. Perfect. So evangelist and as far as Christ Church, pastoral assistant. Yeah. So I'm not ordained, which is why. I, so I don't call myself a pastor. I am a preacher. I'm commissioned to, you know, administer the sacraments and stuff, but I haven't okay. like gone through ordination okay. or anything like that. Yet. Awesome. So I wanted to have you in because for a while now, if folks are subscribed to the YouTube channel at Canon, which hopefully they are, they're going to continue to get like CRF <laughs> talks yeah. and probably the majority of them or half of them, I forget how it breaks down, yeah. we'll have Aaron Ventura's name next to them. Yeah. So we should get to know this Aaron Ventura guy. <laughs> and, and can I say, like, shout out to South America or Mexico or whoever, because <laughs> I don't know if it's just because my name is Ventura and they think, you know, maybe this guy is one of us, because I'll sometimes look at the comments, I'm like, okay, come to Brazil or, or something, <laughs> something like that. Like, I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I preach probably like half the time, and then Doug or Toby or, or Ben Zorns, one of the other guys will, will hop in there. And um, that's kind of our uh, what we've done this last year. So now we're we're canceled. We're a product of, of cancel culture. Yeah. Um, but we were basically having a midweek worship service on the University of Idaho campus, um, and we would um, kind of take our Christchurch liturgy, uh, which uh, to me. Uh, 
when I was in college, that would be totally unfamiliar. Like sure. there, there's not a band on stage. Uh, there's not a screen. A shoeless musician. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Hitting that cheek board. <laughs> yeah, I was like re- reading music. This is, an, this is a new thing to me. Yeah. So we thought, all right, I think our churches have something to offer. And what if we just put that on campus and see what happens? Preach the gospel, yeah. preach hard, uh, worship God on campus and see what happens. So that was so this last year. Before we get into like how you fit in, can you tell us, because uh, obviously right there you said uh, CRF, is a Christchurch ministry. Yeah. How long has that been around? Like, is that recent or? <laughs> so I don't know if it's been around bef- since before I was born, but uh, Matt Gray is uh, an elder and he's uh, at Christchurch and he's kind of the main disciple maker over the years. So if you know uh, Gabe Wrench, uh, he discipled Gabe Wrench, you know, <laughs> which that, that's a handful. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing the Lord's work, yeoman's work over there. Yeah, and, and now Gabe Wrench, I believe, is his son-in-law. So um, so Matt Gray is really, I think, the pioneer for this ministry. And it's um, Matt is very much a father. He's the father figure of the ministry. Um, and the um, and CRF, I should also say, is it's a, it's a joint ministry. So it's actually not just a ministry of Christ Church. Yep. It's also a ministry of Trinity Reform Church, another CREC church here in Moscow. And so it's kind of a collaborative effort. And I'd say the students are probably 50-50 between Christ Church and, and Trinity. And uh, it's gone through many iterations over the years. Yeah. Can you highlight some of those? Yeah. So uh, I, I've only been in Moscow for uh, coming up on four years now. So a lot of this predates me. So you'd have to ask Matt Gray for the exact uh, facts on this. But uh, from what I know, uh, the uh, I mean, once upon a time, Ben Merkel, who's now the president of New St. Andrews, was involved with CRF, and they were uh, the original sheepdogs. And the sheepdogs in CRF are the guys who go and gather the sheep uh, to be herded in and discipled. And so they're kind of like your um, your go-getters, they, they're good at talking to people, and they're good at gathering folks. And so, so much of college-age stuff is built on momentum, excitement, a cool thing, gathering people. And so I think the trick in ministry is how, how do you hold your principles, not compromise on your theological convictions, uh, your uh, kind of philosophy of ministry, while also being very missional, to use that buzzword, and going out and and getting people. So in the past, um, it might have been just some Bible studies, some guys doing Bible studies. Sometimes they would meet on campus, and usually they would host some large event, some big evangelistic outreach. When I first got here, uh, Vodi Bakum came and and did a, a Why Gay is Not the New Black, which is uh, was a was a, like a highly attended event on campus, and that would be like a CRF sponsored outreach. And we've tried to uh, carry that torch and keep doing stuff like that. But this is actually the very first time we've ever tried to do an actual like worship service like we're doing on campus. So it's like it, it'll you'll you'd go in there, and even though we're not uh, baptizing and doing the Lord's Supper. We're not having the sacraments like that. Um, it still is going to be way more of a reverent worship feel than probably anything you may have experienced outside of kind of a more liturgical culture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said you got here in 2016. You were a Greyfriar? Yes. I've been yeah. trying to think I'd love to do an episode on Greyfriars eventually. Yeah. 
just because talk about Greyfriars all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll have you back to do that just because I think it's super valuable. Uh and I don't know much like it. I'm sure there are other yeah things like it, but it's very rare, especially where I feel like I came from and maybe where you came from yeah. are somewhat similar. Super rare. Yeah. So uh so anyway, you're all wrapped up with that. Yep. And now you're doing this full time. So how did you guys come to the decision to do a more of a service feel rather than any of the other kind of strategies? Yeah. So about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I, I preached a sermon to CRF before I was actually involved. And <clears throat> I would just come in and, and give a talk. And when I give a talk, I preach because that's my, my mode. Um, and it was on how to reach 10,000 souls. So there's 10,000 students at the University of Idaho. And my question is, how would you reach 10,000 people? That's about half of our city's population. And the motto of our church is all of Christ uh, for all of life, for all of Moscow. And I'm trying to figure out what all of Christ for all of life, for all the university would look like. And uh, I am not a fan of parachurch ministries coming in and becoming substitutes for the church. And one of the things that I think CRF has done very well over the years is they've really emphasized the Lord's Day gathering is the most important gathering. If you have to have to choose between, you know, coming to CRF or going to church, go to church. And I, I've just self-consciously tried to lead with a pointing people to Lord's Day, local church. And, um, you know, I talk to people all the time, maybe around the country or friends, places that I've been in who are thinking about, um, should I be a part of this ministry or that ministry? Should I go to this church or that church? And one of the things I tell them is uh, when you find a church, find a church that preaches the word, that sings the Psalms, and find a church that can excommunicate you. <laughs> and and, and I, I mean that because most churches don't do church discipline. And if you are without a child without discipline, whether that's, you know, excommunication would be like, you know, death penalty level stuff, but even just someone coming in and asking you, okay, what's actually going on in your life? Someone who has the authority to speak into your life, I think, that's one of the most crucial things, especially for young men to learn, is how to honor your fathers and how to be under authority, even authority you, you don't even really maybe like. Yeah. Uh, I think that is so key for young men and, and women to learn. And so I want our ministry to have some level of hierarchy to it, okay. some flavor of authority. And the best way to do that is by pointing them to the lawful authority God has established with the church, with elders, with, with ministers. Yeah. Okay. So you did that one-off sermon, and then they were like, we got to get that guy. <laughs> well, so yeah, we, we were in talks about what this could look like. There's been talks for years over, do we plant a church near the university or a university-type church? And I think long-term, you actually, I think that's going to have to happen. In order to reach 10,000 people, I don't think we can just go on campus and try to pull people out into our local churches. I think you would need a, I mean, that's a city, right, within itself. And it is even kind of siloed off from the rest of Moscow. So if you're a freshman, you live on campus, you, you don't necessarily need to go anywhere. They've got your recreation. They got, you, you, know, you go to the liquor store, you go to Winko, you get your groceries, you maybe go to the bars or something, downtown restaurants. But 
besides that, you can kind of just live in that little silo. And I think the long-term game is going to be eventually, and not even just planting one church, I think there's going to need to be a lot of churches. So I'd like to see not just CRF grow into a big uh, midweek worship service. I want to see a bunch of other college ministries and churches that are near campus or at least engaging and evangelizing, because that's the only way you could reach that many people within a four-year life cycle. So that's the other piece. Right. Um, um, so you did this starting in the fall? Yeah. So we started, what year is it? So it's 2020 now. So we started this in the uh, fall of 2019 and kind of prepped for it over the summer. And then, yeah, fall was when we launched. So how'd it go? Uh, the first week, uh, the room was not big enough. So it was, it was kind of standing room only. And, and we thought, you know, we'll expect maybe 50 people or so. And we're in a smaller room. And we had uh, over 100. And uh, my goal was to just, all right, first week, preach a very clear gospel message. And I told him, what is the most offensive doctrine? It's not that uh, people go to hell. It's not that uh, same-sex marriage is ridiculous and stupid. Uh, it's actually the grace of God. The grace of God is the most offensive doctrine in Scripture, the doctrines yeah. of grace. And so we just kind of led with that and then uh, kept building. So our first like formal sermon series was on It's Good to Be a Man. Shout out Michael Foster. <laughs> yeah. And uh, had Doug come in and Toby and others and talk about what biblical manhood looks like. So we really kicked off the year and had a huge response. And then um, as the year kind of goes on, classes get busy, we, you kind of hit like a little plateau and you'll have little peaks and in, in here and there. So we average like 70 students a week. And um, when, I, when I look at the numbers of like our, our denomination, the CREC, I mean, we're basically one of the largest, <laughs> it's like larger than a lot of our churches yeah. uh, in, in the CREC. And I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. Most churches are, you know, will never get above 50 people. Like a 50-person church is kind of average. Like it's half the churches in, in America. So it's a substantial group of students. But, I mean, and you may, uh, coming from Texas where there's all sorts of mega churches and youth ministries. I mean, I was a part of a ministry in uh, Seattle that had like 500 students in it. So this is still like small potatoes. And I'm thinking, all right, what would it take for us to eventually do that? The other question is, is that even worth pursuing? Trying to have a big happening gathering with a rock and band? Or do you do something else? So can you walk me through like how you've been thinking about that? Like even the back and forth, because like I can all, you know, even just hearing it's like, man, is it worth it? Like, would it be worth it to throw (laughs) churches on a campus and it's obviously you don't want to say it's not worth it. right so how have you thought through that how, how what's the back and forth like yeah so uh maybe I'll, I'll tell you a little story about my own personal journey so i used to be in what would kind of be like a hillsong mega church uh, so kind of hillsong affiliated a lot of people know them for their music or even related to bethel so we'd have people that would go down and make the the pilgrimage to charismatic mecca uh in bethel reading and uh, the kind of vibe there was a very surface level teaching about Jesus and the gospel, but they are never, ever, ever going to touch even certain scriptures in the Bible. So we're talking there's women preachers, you know, you don't go near First Timothy 2. And, uh, you know, I'm friends with a lot of these people and I've seen the kind of disciples that that, that church and that church culture creates. 
And these are people that pretty much are um, not going to fight in the culture war against things like abortion or same-sex marriage or something. They're just going to say, oh, Jesus loves everybody. For, we, we just forgive everybody. Um, and a lot of them have actually apostatized. So um, when I was a part, so I was commissioned as a leader in this ministry. And uh, one of my jobs was to actually make the worship service spontaneous and exciting. It was like, it was my job. I was a I was a creative person. I uh, produced music, and so I I had this whole you know I would come up with games and things that would be interesting. I once brought up uh, a girl on stage and like had her weigh herself on a scale, <laughs> which I, and I'm trying to think what was running through my head. Um, so I was kind of like half comedian entertainer, and uh, at the same time this was happening in college. Um, God was doing something in my heart. So uh, my parents divorced when I was 18. I showed up at college, a very broken man, was in a relationship that I should not have been in. And I was just asking all of these big questions. And one of them was, okay, what does my relationship to the church look like? What is a biblical church? You know, I had all these questions. At the same time, I'm being asked to do something by my church leaders. And eventually my conscience was just like, this is wrong. Like they're not even preaching the whole counsel of God. They're, they're ashamed of what Jesus says. And Jesus says, if you're ashamed of anything I say, the father will be ashamed of you on judgment day. And so I was just being torn apart with my loyalty to felt Christ and his word. And also these people who had invested in me and who I, I genuinely loved and genuinely think are like Christians and have good intentions, but are just kind of maybe ignorant about certain things. Sure. So, Sorry, was that a college-type ministry? Yeah, so this okay, was yeah. a college ministry. And the funny thing is, so I was having questions about uh, what even is this ministry? Is it a church? Because I was still actually working. I had to work on the weekends, and I'd work on Sundays. And I would uh, church for me was Wednesday night at 9, 9 p.m. I mean, we started our service at 9 p.m. Right. And so my whole ecclesiology, I didn't know what ecclesiology was. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, am I, I think I'm breaking <laughs> the commandments by not going to church on Sunday and, and going only on Wednesdays. And eventually, I, okay, I changed my work schedule. I started going on Sundays. And then I just started asking them questions like, uh, what is this? And, and they were also asking that question too. And one of the challenges with all college ministry is that uh, they are broke and or in debt. So if you're going to reach college students, you actually need to have some kind of other outside financial uh, way of sustaining that ministry because it's not like they have money to give. So it's you don't go after college students unless you already have some kind of strong core that allows you to do it. And that also is part of why doing a campus church doesn't really work. Right. Because eventually they need to grow up and get jobs or something, and eventually they move to the suburbs. Or and those college types, yeah, are not necessarily what pastors live on. Exactly, yeah. There, there's a reason the kind of youth pastor, college pastor, not making any enough um, is a big, big problem. So, uh, so I eventually left this ministry, and it's funny. Right after I left, they actually killed the midweek thing and went to a Sunday night thing, and and I would say that's a that's that's a good thing. Um, and now they've, they're 
they're, they've gone a different direction since then. But I eventually left and moved to Florida to help plant a church uh, with Acts 29. And then I came to Moscow a few years ago. And so I kind of had, a, had some time to really think through uh, my theology of the church in the context of a church plant. And at the same time, you're, when you start a church, you have to ask questions about everything. What kind of songs do we do? What's our order of service? What's our liturgy? And that was around the same time I, I read uh, Jeff Meyer's The Lord's Service, which is kind of the, the manual in the CREC for covenant renewal worship. And I, was try, I, was trying to, I didn't even know you could sing the Psalms. I'm like, yo, the Psalms don't rhyme. <laughs> I'm a rapper. And these these, these yeah. things don't rhyme. I try. but right. uh, So I learned like, oh, you could actually sing the Psalms. And so uh, we had these conversations in Florida when we're church planting. And then coming to Moscow, I was pretty settled when I showed up and I was like, I'd never seen a baby baptized before, but I'm a pedo-baptist by, by this time. And I'm, I'm seeing the Psalms sung, seeing, you know, these little mini homilies and we all kneel for confession and we recite the Apostles' Creed. And I think the thing I realized was that kind of liturgy includes you in the worship service in a way that I think honors God, but also like doesn't uh, condescend to you as a participant in worship. Because when there's just a band on stage and a real, they, maybe they sound really great, um, but they don't need you. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to be a just passive consumer of worship goods and resources in those contexts than I think it is in ours, where it's like, no, we don't have a choir up here. The choir is, you're the choir. Yeah. And, and I thought, I wish so bad that I had this when I was in college because it shaped my whole life that the Lord's day, it belongs to the Lord. And, and that's important. And then worship, we, we pray for, we like name names of people who are sick in the church. And that, to me, was like a very moving experience when I heard them praying for those who are sick or the expectant mothers. I just never heard that before. And I was like, this is what I needed. We don't need more entertainment. And the church tends to only do entertainment worse than the culture does. So what if we just did what Jesus has commanded us to do? And we say worship is warfare, and we take that warfare of our worship and give it to the students. Uh, so that was kind of our thinking for this this year. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there if you have no, any questions. No, yeah. So, so given all of that, you came to the conclusion that yeah, starting like more of a reverent service would be the move rather mm -hmm. than any other strategy associated. Yeah, yeah I think the one of the questions is. Uh, we're called to make disciples. But what kind of disciples are we called to make? I don't want to just make converts. I saw tons of people converted. I saw tons. I, I baptized tons of people. But so many of them, we just turned into sons of hell. <laughs> like we, we, we didn't actually hold them accountable. We didn't actually do the work of teaching them everything that Jesus commanded them. And that kind of antinomian spirit um, is in a lot of these uh, conversion-focused churches. Now, I want to be just as zealous for conversions as them. I want to be more zealous for conversions. But I want to make healthy disciples who have a real fear of God. And so the question is, what trade-offs are you willing to make? 
Are you willing? Uh, so we've like a shortened our service. We've adapted it a little bit. Um, I don't wear a tie normally. <laughs> you know, I wear a tie on Sundays if I preach, but I don't wear one when I go on campus. So uh, I'm I'm making some kind of adjustment to contextualize or, or whatever to make it a little more accessible to them, less intimidating to them. Um, what we so what we saw is um, we saw people coming, being fed, um, but what we didn't see is a ton of seekers coming every week and being converted. And so for me, uh, Matt and I kind of went back to the drawing board uh, and we're we're talking right now about what are we going to do this next year? Do we keep on with this worship service or do we do something else? How are you thinking about next year? Yeah, so uh, I had this idea for um, kind of turning every home into a place where disciples get made. I think thinking like a disciple maker is so much of a mindset. And so I have a baby on the way that will be coming in June. And so I'm just thinking about what kind of culture am I going to raise my son in? Like this is the disciple that God is asking me to make before I make any other disciple, disciple my wife and my children. And so I've just been thinking about what kind of habits and liturgies need to be in our home. And then I thought, what if we expanded this out to other people in the church? What if we expanded this to the campus? How could we mobilize our people to do this work of disciple making? Because I can't meet with 100 students. I can only meet with a handful. So we have this idea that um, what if we turned our weekly meeting into a, a big evangelistic dinner? And so uh, this is what we're, hope, we're hoping to do in the fall. There's some details we got to work out. Um, but, but the idea would be to gather people to eat, just like we'd gather them into our homes. And the way I approached this was thinking about church planting. So back to my, my Florida stint with church planting. And when you plant a church, if you just drop in somewhere, you can either, you know, get your website up and, and do all that and, and advertise yourself as like, okay, we're the most kind of reformed church in this area. Okay, you know, find like-minded people and gather them and go from there. Or you could say, we're going to go after unbelievers. We're going to go where the lost are. And how would you engage them? Well, you got you to gotta talk to them. You got to find ways of sharing the gospel with them. And I think the easiest way to do that is to invite them into your home is to be hospitable. And so I thought, I think even within our church, which is, I think, a, does hospitality super well, my question has been, how can we missionalize our hospitality? And what would that look like on a college campus where if you advertise free pizza, they come in for that free pizza? Yeah, right. So I thought, let's do what it takes to to feed as many students as we can and get them around the table to eat and talk about God's word. So uh, we're going to try to adapt it a little bit, make it a bit more of an informal environment where uh, we eat together, and then maybe I'd get up, give a little uh, homily or read, read a passage of scripture, and then we talk about it kind of like you would do family worship in your home. So if you came over to my house, we eat dinner, I would then read a scripture, we'd talk about it, and then we'd pray for something. And I would involve an unbeliever in that, just as much as I would involve my family. And so I'm trying to take what I think we should all be doing in our homes and just put that in an easy place for the students to get to with the goal of making enough disciples where 
there's actually a need for an institutional church to be right there. Such that if we said, okay, maybe we're not meeting on Thursdays, but we're going to actually worship God on Sunday and there will be elders and families. It'll be multi-generational and we'll be right. We'll meet right here on campus. I think my vision would be to see that happening down, down the road where there is a, a church that's meeting there that's not just college students, but families and kids, people who are willing to say, yeah, we, this is a mission field worth reaching, but it's going to take us actually going to where they are, not just telling them to come to where we are. I think uh, as Reformed Christians, we tend to have more of a come get what we got mindset, not go give them what we have mindset. And so I want to give us kind of a little more aggressive posture as we try to go evangelize, especially college students. Nice. Okay. So this is, would be essentially you're laying the ground floor for what, I mean, what you talked about earlier, you know, reaching 10,000 souls on those, that hill. Yeah. It's tough to do with particular kinds of ministries or particular kinds of events. So you are now pivoting into like essentially early, early, early church planning. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really exactly right. The, the whole approach that I'm taking now. So I, the way I explained it to our leaders was there's kind of the uh, field of dreams approach. You build it and they come. It's the come and come and see. And I think that's kind of the approach we took this year was let's lead with preaching. Let's lead with doctrine. Let's lead with worship, the things that we do well and that we want to give them and we'll, and we'll invite them in. And I think there's a good, I, I would love to actually, like if I could have it my way, I would, I would do both. I would try to do the evangelistic thing one night of the week, a mid-service week, another night, and then they all go to church on Sunday. Uh, But I have to be realistic about what I'm asking people to do. And the reason why I don't think we'll do that is because I don't want to compete with Sunday. I don't want a student to think, all right, I'm getting my church in for the week. That's what I was thinking. And that's how we would talk. I'm, I'm going to get my church in on on middle of the week at night, and then Sundays I can you know just watch football or, or whatever. No, part of the discipleship is going to church. So I, I think that is the the hope is to be able to still have the reverence of worship, point people to there, but it's going to take more work on the front end, explaining to people, yeah, this is why the liturgy is the way it is. This is why we worship the way we do, and that forces us to have a good reason for it to be self-conscious about why we do what we do and not the way this other uh, denomination or church does it. Sure. Um, okay, and that's CRF. You can see them. Uh, well, so I guess we won't be doing, we won't be airing. Uh, we, I don't what know exactly. the state of our YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, the way I look at CRF is we have an air war and a ground war. The ground war is the, the weekly meeting. It's us on campus. It's crazy Keith Daryl preaching, open air preaching. Yeah. Um, the air war is the social media stuff, the videos. Um, so I just launched uh, the university podcast, which I'm yeah. just doing kind of little four to five minute devotionals through the Bible. Um, the doing... People can find those on the CRF page. Right? So, yeah, if you go to uh, like Facebook.com slash Collegiate Reformed Fellowship or just search us. All our social medias are out there. I think on Instagram, we're CRF Moscow. And so we're trying to develop more kind of air war resources. Uh, But I would like to, uh, what we'll probably do uh, in in this coming fall is still have 
a preacher come come in maybe once a month or so. And uh, you and I can maybe talk about if the, if these things are worth recording <laughs> totally. or or not. Uh, but the hope is to continue to pl- plug content, and I'm trying to get content out, you know, five days out of the week, um, because all these kids live on their smartphones anyway. Yeah. Could you imagine those South American fans <laughs> if, if, if it just runs dry? Yeah, I will come to Brazil if I get enough people asking. Um, so okay, and then now the university podcast and even your videos—is audio going anywhere? Yeah. So the uh, the university podcast is the audio versions of the videos I'm okay, I'm doing, and I'm actually right after this I'm going to. I'm going to start Testimony Tuesdays, and I'm just basically interviewing students and having them tell me how they came to faith, you know, who they are, how they came to faith. And so that's another thing I'll be adding, and um, we'll kind of be doing other content as we explore. Okay, Uh, good. Good. I was thinking this morning, like, I am not sure, but I wonder if those videos, because I see your videos, and I'm like, man, I wonder if those are audio anywhere, because, like, you don't do long form. Right. And so it's just like, if somebody could just, you know, yeah, so it's a podcast that if you so go search, I think you have to search Aaron Ventura in your podcast feed because the university podcast is so vague. You'll get like other universities. So maybe when we have a lot more subscribers, it'll yeah. it'll show up. Make but, sure you rate and review. Yeah, and, and rate and review. I don't think we have any. Uh, actually, only rate if it's five stars. Yeah. I don't want any four stars or under. So so sa- save your reviews to yourself. No, uh, but. It's, it's it's literally like a five minute video that takes me I don't know a couple hours for me to like read I'm I'm in Aquinas and and Lightheart and Calvin and then it turns into this five minute video that someone can consume in two and a half minutes on two right. X speed, but uh, get those little drips of of Bible I'm learning so I produce content that I want to consume, sure. so if I don't want to like learn about something then I'm not going to produce yeah, something yeah, on same. it. People could find those videos and search Aaron Ventura in, uh, are you like Apple Podcasts? Yeah, all the podcast okay, cool. feeds, whatever. Cool. They, there's cool. a lot of them there. And they can learn, you know, Aaron Ventura plus Lightheart plus Aquinas plus. <laughs> yeah, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, and th- so I, I tell people, Twitter is where I put all the things that would get me uh, unfriended on Facebook. Yeah. So. So Twitter is where I have just like my constant quotes of books I'm reading, and sure. that's where you get you know spicier content. Yeah. Facebook is where I I just uh, I guess it's like my more like a, f- a friendly place for me. I'm not uh, I'm not going to probably do much Facebook comment yeah. debating, yeah. but Twitter. I mean, you never know. You've been in your fair share. <laughs> you've been in my fair share. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one time, Aaron got me, and you know, <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> It came up in my memories. Uh, <laughs> Facebook Three memories. years ago, yeah. you were. Yeah. Any sort of ministry like that. And I had like a, you know, at one point I had like a youth group breakdown as somebody who was like super involved in youth groups, uh, not only just like growing up in them, but like then serving in them. Yeah. Um, What do we do? You know, ours, our, like I feel like how we came to Moscow rhymes a little bit. And it was just sort of like, what do I even think about that? Mm-hmm. What is effective and what does actually produce disciples that are compelling and that love God and that can actually be effective in how hard the world is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like I said, it's all fascinating. 
and I'm excited to see like how it goes. Yeah, can I uh, add something here about New St. Andrews College and, yeah. and the relationship with CRF? So yeah. at some level, we're actually a product uh, of our own success. So some of the challenges that we have now are because we've been successful in other areas. And I think the the best example of that is that there's New St. Andrews College here, which is we, so we didn't just start a college ministry. We started a college. <laughs> okay. So, so um, th- like that's a big deal. So I would actually prefer if we had 10,000 students in liberal arts schools that were like NSA instead of public universities where they're being taught and discipled by secularism all day. And so I would say if you're a college student listening to this and you're debating what college to go to, um, I think where do you want to spend some of the most pivotal years of your life? I think if you're going to go to a public university or a place where because you want to be in nursing or get an engineering degree or something like that, if you do that, count the cost and say, um, is there a very strong church that can excommunicate me, but that, but that will disciple me near there because, because no degree is worth losing your faith over. All it takes is, oh, cute girl. She says she's a Christian. She's not actually. And, and before you know it, you haven't been to church in a year. And then all your friends are unbelievers and you're just playing video games and smoking weed. Okay? Cute so, girl, her feet go down to death, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Read Proverbs. Okay. It, it tells you all about this. And I think one of the challenges we've had with this ministry is how do we both minister and disciple our, our college students who are at New St. Andrews getting solid content all day long, while at the same time trying to reach a university who couldn't tell you who Augustine was. They, they never read institutes. What do they teach them in, the, yeah, in these schools? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I think uh, finding ways of um, kind of bringing those two worlds together has been a big challenge That's for good. us. Um, but you, sh- you should, if you're a student, I think if I could go back and do it all over again, I wouldn't have gotten a business degree from the University of Washington in Seattle. That might have opened up career opportunities for me, but it didn't disciple me. If anything, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's like, especially the way our culture is right now, which is this very politically correct. I'm like, I could tell you stories from our U of I students, what goes on in some of these classes, and it's unbelievable. Like, they, they don't even hide their political agenda. And now it's the point where you're coming to class and they're saying, all right, what are your preferred pronouns? Wow. Right, something that was- This is in Podunk, Moscow. Yeah, this is in Moscow. <laughs> Where if like you leave Winco at a certain hour of night, it smells like <laughs> <It's>, uh, <yeah. laughs> a farm. <laughs> so I think uh, discipleship is not just the church. It's whoever you're following, whoever you're listening to, whoever is teaching you. And Jesus says, when a disciple is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. And if you are being taught by all unbelieving professors, like, don't be surprised if you start to dabble with unbelief. Like, I've been a Christian my whole life, and, like, I still have the flesh. I still have crazy sins in, in my heart that I have to kill every day. And I can't imagine if I was in that environment where everything is tempting me to sin and, and trying to get me to sin and encouraging it and telling me that sin is actually not sin. 
It's like, nah, lead me not into temptation. Lead me into a, a solid Christian liberal arts school and a solid uh, local church that will actually shepherd me. That, that's what you should seek after if you are a, a high schooler or a college student. Think about where to get educated. I think that's really good. And I, if somebody's listening to this now and is in a college and is hearing your advice and they're up a creek because they're in debt already in their junior yeah. year, yeah. at least be more skeptical too, even if you think you're differentiated from what's going on around you, you know. The world's a bit more, you and the world are a bit more complicated and what's actually seeping into you. Yeah. That you might not be able to like tie a string back to. Totally. That you don't know how all that stuff's. Yeah. I remember, so I used to be heavily involved in like rap and hip hop world and culture. And I did not realize the effect that listening to, you know, Drake and Jay-Z and Lil Wayne and these rappers. So I, I was listening to the clean version because I was a Christian, right? That was my level of Christianity was at least it's the clean version. There's not cuss words. But I didn't realize what kind of toxic effect that was having on my soul. And it wasn't until I actually said, I'm going to just like fast from this. I'm just take a break from it. And what if I filled my heart with things like the Psalms, with things or scripture. I started just binging John Piper sermons instead. And uh, and it's like, you don't even realize how toxic your environment is, how sick your heart is until God starts to cleanse you. And that's where I, I would agree with you. You you don't actually know yourself probably very well. Um, and you need the mirror of God's word. You need other people. Myers-Briggs or not. Yeah, Myers-Briggs or, or, yeah, I don't care. Introvert, extrovert, whatever your Enneagram number is. Um, you, you need God's word and you need people, pastors, faithful shepherds, who have the permission and authority to tell you, yo, there's a log in your eye. Because um, I, I didn't have people telling me that. Yeah. I had people telling me that the log in my eye was, was good. Um, <laughs> what, uh, okay. So what would you say if, uh, let's say Joe Blow is a college pastor himself, like, what would you say? It may not have the luxury of the college or anything yeah. like that. What are some things like you think are temptations to watch for, or maybe encouragement to, to go for? Yeah, I think so. Pastors are some of the most discouraged people, uh, for a lot of different reasons. And I, I would say, uh, be encouraged. Uh, continue to do the work of an evangelist. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Fulfill your ministry, not someone else's ministry, and do the work of an evangelist because that's, I think, nothing puts gas in my tank like having a lively conversation with unbelievers. And I would say, continue to be bold and go after them. Maybe you're afraid to go open air preach because you've seen it done wrong. Well, Well, go do it the right way. Like, step out of your comfort zone, which for a lot of us is our study, uh, preparing sermons, and doing one-on-one counseling. And so we have to do that. Let's say when you actually start uh, interacting with unbelievers, God uses that to grow you in a really profound way. Um, And I would say, um, however your ministry, whether you're, you know, RUF or Campus Crusade or many of these other parachurch ministries, I would say, whatever you do, like make sure it's tethered to the local church. And if and you may realize, I think what I'm doing is is uh, I'm participating in the problem. I'm being a part of the problem. 
then go to your elders or go to your church and see if there's a way to harmonize those. So everything that Matt and I do with CRF gets run through the session, you know, big decisions like that. And so make sure that whatever you're doing has the church's full blessing and buy-in. Otherwise, it's going to be very discouraging and you need support. So you need to celeb- you need other people to celebrate the wins with you and you need that help and accountability. So totally just knowing you and even just like conversations that we've had in the past and stuff that I know we both enjoy. Uh, it is funny where I think human beings are a lot worse than we know. <laughs> Cause I'm thinking in terms of when you talk about evangelizing those who are over there. Yeah. And I think even if you're not talking in terms of, uh, gospel lenses, you would think right now, unfortunately, like we are drunk with the political differences and the political schism in America. And so it's like, you think about the university and it's like, man, those, you know, a church like ours with a pastor like ours, like what's (laughs) like, there's not going to be any converts like red Rover, red Rover. No one's coming over. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think even when the stuff that I super enjoy, like authors like Friedman and, and Gerard and everything else. And it's like, Oh, it's actually, worse like humans are not ready for this Mm -hmm. but it's actually the case that like this is what we do yeah and this is what you do or you know and anyway so it's encouraging and like i said especially hearing you say you know just being out there in conversations it doesn't take me long sometimes i wonder man like i know i know my heart to some level and i know the evil inside of it and I'm a Christian, you know, yeah, right, and I right, just right. think like if you're an unbeliever, like you are so lost and so unhappy and have such a guilty conscience, like that just can't be fun. Yeah. You know, life is hard enough as a Christian to, to follow God and and we have a blessed hope. And I think so often Christians forget how radical uh, the gospel is and how powerful it is. Yeah. And if we, if you like, if you don't have confidence that the gospel saves people, like stop preaching, like get out of the ministry. Like if you think that it's going to be some silver bullet methodology, like you're wrong. <laughs> and I think the, the more confidence we have in, in the message, uh, the more surprised I am, maybe to my own shame, when people respond to it with, oh, that's actually good news. Right. Um, so I don't want to just front load uh, when I'm preaching that everyone's going to hate what I say. There's a Friedman thing in there, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. The, the mimetic thing. I want to present the gospel in such a way that, dude, you guys are missing out yeah. because you are, you know. Um, there's something so much better than fraternity and sorority life and envying your neighbor and, you know, playing comparison games with, you know, who's prettier, who makes more money or, you know, grades or whatever. And could be locked in those things without knowing it, which yeah, is like what it, totally. you know, humans are not ready. We are not ready to yeah. be humans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Sweet, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. We'll be gonna... b- before we go, do yeah. I get to have the pizza <laughs> pizza conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So I just I just heard that you have committed yourself to becoming yeah. a pizza master. A pizza and I want to know where you are in like 
you know, level, uh, like what belt are you? Yeah, I, I don't right, actually right, right. don't know the progression Just of like white belt to yeah. black belts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe we need to choose a better metaphor, yeah. but like, you know, are, are you on Jedi level yet? <laughs> so uh, through like various and sundry influences, um, I, pizza can usually taste better than like what we know about pizza. Yeah. So like I've, I grew up with Domino's and everything else and yeah. it's like, it's good and like who turns it down yeah. but then it's always like i feel pure regret it's sort of the cc's effect mm-hmm. uh, did you ever have cc's yeah pizza? Yeah, yeah like once <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know you want to go and then you never want to you know it's like yeah. oh i feel terrible so anyway i had a uh, i remember there's a place in minneapolis called black sheep that was my first pizza that i was ever like wow i just had the whole okay. pie yeah and i didn't feel like i needed to like die or like take yeah. two weeks off just to recover yeah you felt good Felt good even. Yeah, I was just like, man, this was awesome. And it was an awesome experience. So, and then it coupled that with, uh, for my birthday last year, um, I flew out to a couple of my friends that lived in New York. And we hit, um, basically, there's a popular influencer rating pizza in New York okay. that you can find. And I'm sure everybody knows. But basically, my thing was, the way I wanted to like see New York yeah. was, I'm going to hit every nine level pizza. Okay. That had been rated. Okay. So he has a 10-point rating system. Yeah. I went to every nine. That's how I saw the city. Was there any tens? Like, or is 10 just the New Haven? 10, 10's tough, because what are you going to do when another one comes around? You yeah. Know? So you can't give a 10. You know? This it, isn't, this it, isn't it the NBA the dunk contest. Yeah, yeah, it's, I was just about to say this is not the, the dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, we stop actually, giving 10s right out the gate. We actually have discretion. So... So anyway, that was a blast, and even just, it was a cool, fun experience. The culture is hilarious. As someone who works at Canon with marketing and everything else, yeah, like there, the, especially the, the legend spots are usually like very small, mm-hmm. not meant for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And then like my favorite was one of them like had this cardboard they sharpied and then like stuck with duct tape that said t-shirts are back. And so <laughs> you're like, this is marketing this. Yeah. Well, it's just so it's super fascinating. It was like a very fun experience. And uh, and like I said, so then my friend Sam in the office, we just started talking about it one day and we were like, let's build an oven. So we're in the process of building an oven, like building, building a pizza oven. Yeah. Yeah, so pizza's tough, man. So I've been, we've been cranking pizzas. I thought we were just talking about, like, you got some flour and some water. Oh, no. and, and well, dough. But we you, you started with building that. an oven. It's been that, though, yeah. <laughs> so figuring out dough was weird. Uh, luckily, we live in a place where dough is a popular thing to be doing. But uh, Especially now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was interesting, just learning how to do that. And um, essentially, pizza has to be, you want to cook it for the least amount of time. Okay. At the highest amount of heat or, well, like, right. So, I mean, like, because you only want to cook it for like four minutes, it's got to be at a temperature that will sufficiently do what you need it to do in that, in that amount of time. So essentially if you cook a pizza too long, the moisture, the good stuff, like the bubbles that come out of dough are going to kind of like dry up, Mm -hmm. like it kind of shrinks and it, the goodness goes away. So it's like, okay, how do we make it to where I get the amount of heat I need for the least amount of time. Right. That's a tough thing to do. So that's why you're building the oven. So that's you can why have a higher heat. Okay. And and to be honest, like, so I've learned all this stuff, but it's like our, that I probably, it's probably common knowledge, for example, you know, string cheese, mm-hmm. which we've had since we were Strings. young. Strings. Yeah. Yeah. Little people. <laughs> that's mozzarella cheese. Yeah. Didn't know that. 
I would never have been able to tell you, like, if somebody asked me what kind of cheese is that, I would just yeah. be like, well, it's the strong, strong kind. Yeah. But I learned it's mozzarella. So uh, same thing with our ovens, like general ovens that you would find in homes. Right. Like, heat displacement's huge. Like, it doesn't really matter what it says on the thing. Like, mm-hmm. when you open the door, it all leaks. Yeah. <laughs> I think my oven's about to explode at home. Okay. I've run it at, like, 550, which is high as it goes yeah. for, like, months and months. So I don't want to blow up my apartment. Yeah, um, no, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> uh, which I have been doing. So we've been, me and Samuel have been like separately getting better and better and better. And then now, right now, like we just got the, we finished the base last night. So, um, so what, just, like what kind of metal do you make this out of? So right now the base was all brick. We're going to get one reboard for the top. Okay. And then on that, we'll build like an eight inch thick dome with straw and clay and sand and then white where's this it. going and then white who, who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna get uh, who, who gets this you are sam or where is it gonna live it's in sam's front yard oh man kind of like on the side yard okay he's got like does a he rent or own because this, is, this, seems, this seems like something that would be it, easy to move it's well it's it can't be moved so it will have to destroy it oh man it's really cheap to make. Okay. I mean, like, you just got to be just, able like, to, like, find a it. YouTube video on how to, like, he, make a pizza oven or something? Yeah. Friends and stuff like that. So, uh, anyway, we're pretty we're pretty pumped. It's pop-up shop, but yeah, and can't we'll, pop we'll, down. We'll, we'll essentially say, like... <laughs> you know the governor's going to shut this down so fast. <laughs> this sounds Brad mad little, illegal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll tell you the name afterwards. I think it really speaks to that idea. Um so anyway, we wish that we had been up and going for COVID. We didn't really see yeah. Rona coming for us, but uh, it would have been a great move because there are pizza places in town that I think is a no-brainer to be open right now, Yeah, and they're not. So, uh, so, so anyway, it's been, it's been really fun and it's super hard. Like I said, if you're, if you're local, you know, me and Sam will be hopefully cranking stuff out the next few weeks here. Yeah, but you can't, like, promote it publicly because you'll get <laughs> <I know. laughs> We're planning on like doing something cool through Instagram. Alec is helping us out. Okay. Um, Alec's been there most of the steps of the way, so hopefully yeah. it, it turns out to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, there needs um, to be a video of you building this thing. He's yeah, he's, okay. he's coming over okay. every night, and it's too funny. Well, listen, dude, it's hot in here. I don't want to. I, yeah. I want you to come back. So I'm I don't feeling wanna... like a pizza. Yeah. All right, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs>